able to study it, being able to memorize it, being able to meditate on it, being able to hear it, and being able, Lord, to put it in our hearts as we can meditate upon it. Lord God, speak to us through your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at this time of year, many people are graduating from, uh, from schools, various schools, whether it's high school or college. Um, and they're starting, from, they're, they're really kind of ending one part of their life and starting a, a new stage of their life. And it's important um, for us as we think about ending one thing and starting something else to have goals, to have some kind of goal. Without a goal, um, some of us tend to, to flounder and not quite sure what we're doing. Um, someone has said that the most certain way to, to um, miss your goal is to not have one in the first place. And so it's good that we have a goal. We all need goals and dreams, whether it's, it's finishing school or uh, looking forward to a new job or uh, accomplishing the next step in your missionary program or outreach. We all need to have goals. I think God has, has meant us to be that way. He's created us to, to be that way. To have goals and dreams for our life. Dr. Bruce Wilkinson said in his book, The Dream Giver, who is God, everywhere in the world he has traveled, he has yet to find a person who didn't have a dream. They may not be able to describe it. They may have forgotten it, but it's there. You're, you're the only person with a dream quite like yours. And you have a reason for it. To draw you toward the kind of life you were born to live. Wilkinson says that God is the dream giver, the, wants, the one who wants you to expand your borders, to move in the direction that He has planned for your life, so you can thrive. And during that time, you will face great challenges as well. So, when you were a child, did, did you have dreams? Did you have goals that you saw, you know, when they asked, they used to, I used to, I'm old enough that I used to watch the uh, Art Link Letter Show. I don't know if any of you remember that. But they would always ask the children a bunch of questions. And he would go there to each question. And, and they had the greatest answer, you can imagine. And he would ask them, what do you want to be? What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, and you hear the typical astronaut, fireman, doctor, lawyer, whatever it might be. But I bet that every one of you had some kind of thoughts in your mind as children as to what you wanted to be when you grew up. You may have may or may not have reached that goal. Uh, you, things change in your life, and, and God gives us different goals than we may think when we're young often. Well, Paul had a goal. Paul had a goal here. In fact, it was a goal that had been given to him by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul's goal was to, to end his life somewhere, doing something. And that was to be in Rome in Rome, and to witness the good news of Jesus Christ to those who were at the center of the known world at that time. It was the Lord Jesus Christ who had given this dream, this goal to Paul to preach the gospel to those in the, in the civilized world and uncivilized world at that time who had never heard the gospel and specifically to get to Rome. As I said, I've been teaching through the book of Acts, and if you read the book of Acts, you'll see that from really the beginning of Paul's ministry around Acts, Acts chapter 9 and, and there going forward after his conversion, um, 
was that I will show you how much you will suffer for my name. You see, doing the Lord's will and, and having a dream is an exciting thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it isn't all roses and candy. To uh, fulfill the dream that God has given you will require great trial, hardship along the way. You will face that. Paul faced that. Uh, right before this chapter, in the last chapter, Paul had gone through a shipwreck with 256 other sailor, uh, passengers on this ship. They, they could have easily all drowned, been destroyed. But God brought them through it. God brought them through it. But still, everything Paul did, it seemed like, every ministry he had, everywhere he went on three different missionary journeys, he faced trials. Uh, in one place it says he, he faced trials on the roads from those who would try to rob him. He was beaten three times and left for dead out of the city. He was stoned several times. He was put in jail. He was now actually being taken as a prisoner to Rome, having gone to Jerusalem and then being persecuted by the Jews there, and then arrested and put under chains so they could protect his life. And, and he wouldn't be killed before he could face complete his trial. And he had appealed to Caesar, and as a Roman citizen, he could do that. And now they were taking him, and taking him by ship to Rome to um, be, uh, face his trial there before Caesar. And so even now, Paul is in chains, in a sense. He is a prisoner as he is on his way to Rome. And yet the last verse tells us that he even has a soldier stand guard with him while he is in Rome, while he's waiting to face trial. Paul was given an amazing commission to preach the gospel in Rome, but the way he got there was not probably the way that he had thought he would arrive as a prisoner in chains. Rome, though, at this time was not like any other city in the world, probably not like any city that could ever be imagined. Now, we may think of New York City as kind of being a you want to say, what's the hub of the world? Maybe Washington, New York City, there's many other cities, Paris, and so on. But at that time in the world, Rome was the hub of a whole civilized world. There was never a city quite like Rome. Dr. James Boyce writes, there was probably never been another city quite like Rome. It was the capital of the Roman Empire for nearly a thousand years. Think about that. And during that time, it was literally the focal point of the civilized world. So it must have been an amazing thing for Paul to see the city of Rome at its height. You've probably heard the expression that all roads lead to Rome. That, that was literally true. All roads did lead to Rome for, for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Paul had uh, planned to come to Rome. He had wanted to come to Rome long before this. In fact, he had written to the Ephesian church in Acts 19.21. He said, I must visit Rome. He had written a book to Rome. Uh, in Acts 23, Jesus had personally appeared once again to Paul to tell him, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also test about, testify about me in Rome. So again, Jesus confirmed the commission he had, uh, had given him that he would go to Rome and preach the gospel there. When Paul and the others were in the midst of this storm, the storm that was about to destroy their ship. An angel came to him and told Paul, don't worry, you must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, you're not going to perish in this storm. And Paul had been able to tell all 
the ship. I mean, we're not going to perish. Just make sure you do what I tell you to do, basically. Chapter 28 here, we see the fulfillment of all of Paul's life. All of this commission that the Lord Jesus Christ had given to Paul over the last 30 years that he was pointing toward. And you know how Luke writes about it? You know what he says? He says, this is what happened. He says, and we also came to Rome. <laughs> the whole culmination of Paul's life comes down to that statement. And then verse 16, and when he came to Rome, no pomp, no circumstance, no bands playing, no, you know, angels lifting up, oh, hallelujahs, no, no, none of that stuff. Just simple words, we came. Talk about an understanding. Here he was going to stand trial for a season and be able to share the gospel, his faith, with the leader of the known world, the most powerful person Paul had along the way been able to share his testimony in the gospel with those, with kings and governors all along the way while he was a prisoner. How could he have done such a thing? How could God bring him through all that he went through so that he finally made it to Rome? I think it's because of three things. God's protection, God's provision, and God's promise. Let's first look at God's protection. As I told you before, chapter 27, just before this, we read about how all 276 passengers on this ship, this wooden ship that had run aground and was being beat by the, by the storm uh, and broken apart, and had been in the storm for more than two weeks, had broken apart, and yet all of those on board had escaped with their lives, had grabbed chunks of the, of the ship, had actually been told by Paul that they would all make it to shore alive without drowning. None of them had lost their lives. They all made it away, uh, not only by swimming, but the, the amazing thing about this was it wasn't just a shipwreck. You see, they, many of them on board, like Paul, would have been a, were Roman prisoners. And if you've ever seen Ben-Hur, you know what they did to Roman prisoners? They didn't unchain them, for one thing. They would keep them on the ship, and they would go down with the ship and die, or they would kill them. Uh, so if they, they, you know, if they did somehow uh, survive the, the shipwreck, they wouldn't get away. But in this sense, this plant, this time, Paul said, was there, and, and the centurion said, "Don't kill because of Paul." And so they were kept alive by God. Paul was kept alive; was not killed. God protected him even then, even through this storm. And he kept not only Paul, but all of those, whether they were believers or not. God protected him, but he protected those who came to the island. And when they came to this island of Malta, how were they received? I mean, here comes this group of Romans and, and people that they don't know. Uh, you're, the initial reaction of people on island when they see someone coming ashore would not have been to run out and greet them. It would have been to either hide or try to put them to death, try to protect themselves. That's not the reaction that we see here. It says that the inhabitants of the island proved to be friendly and helpful to them. They showed them kindness and didn't harm them. In fact, they even uh, helped them build fires because they were wet and they were cold, of course, from being in the sea. And at that time, of course, Paul wasn't willing to sit around and just you know, wait for somebody else to do the job. 
shook it off into the fire. <laughs> I'd be freaking out at that point. I don't know about you. But uh, I've died of a heart attack long before the poison got me. And so Paul, and, and what did the inhabitants expect? They expected him to swallow up and die. They knew, they knew this was a poisonous snake, but he didn't. Not only that, um, they, look, look how they reacted to him. They thought that this was him because he was a prisoner. They figured, well, he must be a murderer. And even though he had survived the storm, the justice is getting, the gods are not good to him. They're, they're attacking now right after he survived the shipwreck. He's getting bit by a viper. He ain't going to make justice, right? He must be a terrible criminal. Then after he shakes it off, and he lives, and he doesn't swell up and die, what's the reaction? He's a god! <laughs> Can you imagine? They go from thinking he's a murderer to thinking he's a god! Just shows you how fickle people are. So quick to judge, just like we are. So quick to judge without really thinking things through. They judge by the outward appearance. But yet they did have a sense of justice, which all men are given by God, even though in this case it was just misplaced. So why didn't Paul suffer the ill effects of the snake? Are all believers given the assurance that if we get bit by a snake, we won't suffer anything, and so we should dance with snakes in a worship service to show how God protects us? No. Paul wasn't foolish. God, God never says that we should tempt the Lord our God by doing foolish things. The reason Paul was protected because, was because why? You should know. I know. God told him he was going to go to Rome. <laughs> there wasn't going to be anything that was going to prevent Paul from going to Rome. Not a snake, not a shipwreck, nothing. Because Jesus Christ had promised Paul that he would make it. He would fulfill the commission that he gave him. He must go to Rome. And God protected him from, from death in his service. You know, the same is true for you, Christian. If you're a believer, the Lord Jesus Christ will keep you until he is ready to take you home. You won't live one day longer than he planned or one day shorter. In fact, the scripture says long ago in the book of Psalms that every one of your days is numbered before the We serve a, a sovereign God. Now, we're not supposed to test the Lord our God. Paul didn't test the Lord his God. Um, he didn't do anything stupid. Uh, to prove uh, that he was protected by God and to use our common sense that God has given us. But when God has provided for us and given us a mission and a goal, even though we may be afraid, even though we think we can't do it, if we trust God and walk with Him, He will provide what we need. What did Paul do while he was on the island? What did he continue? He continued to use the gifts that God had given him to serve. In fact, we're told that uh, one of the leading men of the island, Publius, his father was sick in bed with uh, fever and dys dysentery. This, is the, this was actually a disease that we now know in Malta was coming from ghost milk uh, on the island. And, uh, and so he was sick, and what did Paul do? He used his apostolic gift of healing to heal him, placed his hands on him, and he was healed. And it says for the next three months, while they were on the island, until the weather was good enough for them to sail again, the islanders brought all their sick to Paul. And they were cured. They were cured. Paul would use this opportunity, as I'm sure he always did, not only to heal them, but to share the gospel with them. Anytime you see miracles in the Bible, it is always tied in with God's Word. I challenge you, anywhere you go in the Bible, anywhere you see a miracle or a healing, 
it comes either to, con either to confirm that the Word of God is true or to show that these people need the gospel, need to hear the Word of God and obey God. See, the miracle isn't the sinner. The miracle just authenticates that this, the Word of God is, or the messenger that is coming with the Word of God is truly God's servant, and you need to listen to it. And that's what was going on here. He had the opportunity for three months to share the gospel with these people as he was healing their relatives. Do you, do you think they paid attention? <laughs> I think they did. <laughs> if you go me a disease, uh, yeah, I think I was. And I'm sure many came to the Lord because of that. So God honored one, Paul, uh, as well because he obeyed him. He just simply did what he had called, was called to do. Notice the other way God, not only did he protect Paul, but, but he provided for all their needs. Now, they were on this island and they had been shipwrecked. They had what with them? Nothing. Nothing but the bare clothes they had on their bodies. And yet it says that these islanders furnished them with all the supplies they needed. This is 266 people who are going to go onto a ship and need everything to continue the journeys. In a day and time when, you know, they didn't have luggage. They had, to, they had their stuff, but they had to haul it and trunks and who knows what else they had to use to get there. And yet God provided for them everything they needed, it says, through these islanders. Amazing. God met the needs of the islanders, and he also met the needs of this Roman crew that was taking Paul and others to Rome. God's provision is amazing. God is good. God calls us to use the things he has given us to bless others. Whether they're believers or not, we are to use all that He's given us, our gifts, our money, our, our time, our talent, just like that um, announcement where they need people to help. God uses us to help all people. God causes His reign and blessing to fall on believe, the righteous and the unrighteous, the Bible says. Believers and unbelievers. The Lord was good to these pagan islanders, giving them someone who would share the gospel of Christ with them and even healing all of their sicknesses. Jesus calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And we have countless opportunities to do that every day. Uh, and you have opportunities to do this in your service tonight, uh, in, in all kinds of events. He gives us opportunities to serve right where we are. We don't have to go looking for it. Paul didn't want to look to do this. God just provided it right there. And he took advantage of it. And he used his gifts right where he was. That's what Jesus calls us to do. You don't have to have a special evangelical calling. You don't have to hear the Lord Jesus' voice to know that you're called to be a missionary for him. Every one of us have been given part of the Great Commission to go. To go into the world. To be right where we are. To share the gospel. To take the good news to those around us. So the Lord, not only did he provide everything that they needed. And not only had he, they protected, he had protected Paul so that he'd make it to Rome. We see here that God also fulfilled his promise to him. Luke tells us here that after three months of being there on the island of Malta, they, an Alexandrian ship that had come there to winter on the island, another provision of God, was there to give them a ride for the rest of the way to Rome. And this ship actually had uh, the faces on the forefront of it of two pagan gods, Castor and Pollux. Two 
pagan Greek gods. This is the ship that God used <laughs> to take Paul to Rome to accomplish his mission purpose for him. You see, God owns everything. The cattle of a thousand hills and everything else. And God can use anything, even stuff that has pagan faces on it, if he chooses to, to accomplish his will. God is good. God is great. He uses whatever he needs so that we can do his will. Paul then must have been excited to know that they would be able to continue this journey to Rome. And it says, we're told by Luke in this little travel log that they went from Malta to Syracuse to Rahim and from to Kutoli. And there, when they arrived, it says they found some Christians who invited them to spend a week with them. Of course, you can imagine what the fellowship they would have had at this time. Here were these believers in Rome who had heard from Paul years before this that he wanted to come to Rome. But we know that Communication wasn't like it is today. We have instant communication today almost anywhere in the world. At that time, it took months, maybe years, even for a letter to get from one place to another across a long area. Because, and probably even if Paul had written them a letter when he was in Jerusalem, it wouldn't have gotten there any faster than he did uh, taking the ship. Because that's the way the, the same route that the, the mail would have had to go on. So here were these brothers who, who heard that he had arrived, and they couldn't wait to come to him. Again, God's great provision for Paul and even for the others. Can you imagine the excitement that must have uh, been in their hearts when they heard that the Apostle Paul was finally there, that God had brought him to them? You know, Paul was the first apostle to come to Rome. And you remember how, why was there a church in Rome? Paul had never been there to plant a church. There may have been some others there, Apollos and some others, but all never been there. How did the church get planted? Well, if you know much of your Bible history, you remember that on the day of Pentecost, there were Jews that had come from all over the known world to Pentecost. And at Pentecost, there were over 3,000 one day and more thousand, 5,000 other plus children and, and, and women who had come to know the Lord. So there were thousands of people in Jerusalem for Pentecost who had heard Peter's preaching and come to know him. And then after they had been saved and gone filled with the Spirit, they had gone back to their other places throughout the world and a church had been established in Rome. And Paul had already written the book of Romans to them, his greatest theological treatise. And so there was a great church in Rome, but Paul had never come. So the believers couldn't wait to hear the word of God from his mouth individually, to see him, to be able to greet him. It's only because of the faithfulness of God. It's only because what God promises, He fulfills. What pro God promises in His Word, He fulfills. One of my favorite passages in the Scripture is 2 Timothy 2, 11-13. It says there, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we die with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. If you have a goal or a dream, has the Lord Jesus Christ given you a goal or a dream? Have you had something that God has put on your heart to do? 
God, maybe, maybe you've forgotten it. Maybe you're a little afraid to pursue it. You see, we all need to have goals and dreams to seek what the Lord would have for us to be and to do. And we know that the ultimate goal for Paul was to arrive at, at Rome to preach the gospel there. But we all need to have goals and dreams. We all need to trust God for more than what we think we're able to do. God is the dream giver. God is the one who stirs our hearts by His Holy Spirit to cause us to go out into the world, to do and to be what He's called us to do as His people. And yes, you will have trials, as Paul did. But Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You have a dream, you have a goal. Go for it. By God's grace, you too will reach your Rome. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the dreams that you give us, the goals that you give us in your word to continue to be conformed to the image of Christ so that we will be like him, so that we will uh, continue to grow in our faith, so that we will uh, grow up into the image of Christ that you want for us to, to be like him. So Lord God, we give you praise now. And we ask that you would cause us to lay aside our fears, lay aside our own desires uh, that are ungodly, and focus on that which is pleasing to you. For Lord, our goal we know is to glorify you and enjoy you forever. We give you all the thanks.